Let's pray, and we're going to get right into our message this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your mercy and grace. We thank you, God, for sending Jesus into the world. We thank you for love and forgiveness. And God, we thank you for your word. Jesus, you promised if we remain in the truth, it will set us free. So God, we are pulling our hearts close to you now. Open our minds, open our ears to receive the truth and lead us into that freedom. Lord, we are so desperate just to encounter your presence. God, there's so many needs represented in this room, so many hurts, so many burdens. And many times we walk into the church doors and we put on a smiling face because we want to be an encouragement, but deep down there's a struggle. And God, I know that you are a God of miracles. And I believe, God, that today you're going to heal people some of the pain that they've been processing through and struggling through because your peace is going to intersect them and encounter them today. God, we thank you for being faithful always to your word and to your promises. Speak now, Father. Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So we are in week three of this series, Prepare Your Heart for Christmas. And just to give you a snapshot of really what this series is about is that the story of Jesus' birth doesn't actually begin with Jesus. When you open the Bible to the New Testament and you begin reading about the life of Christ, you don't start with Jesus. It's kind of odd. You think that you know, it's the most, one of the most significant days in history that the Bible would start with Jesus, but it doesn't. It starts with his cousin, John. And we talked about how that in order to get to the day Jesus is born, even in the story, as you're reading the story, that there's a journey that had to take place. There are different events, different characters, different circumstances and situations that had to happen in order to get to the day Jesus is born. And so just like we don't jump to Christmas on December 1st, we have to get through 25 days of Christmas. December to get to Christmas Day, and you don't just jump into the story and land on Christmas. We, too, are taking a journey to really prepare our hearts for what God wants to do this Christmas season as we celebrate the coming of Jesus. And looking at the story, we see that there was a special blessing that God was ready to pour out on his people with the coming of the Messiah. There's a special blessing, and before they could receive that blessing, their hearts had to be prepared. This is why that, they, that God sent John to prepare the way of the Lord. And the things that he was going to do is he was going to restore families. He was going to restore brokenness in families to turn the hearts of the fathers to their sons and from the sons back to their fathers. He was going to lead people into repentance. That He was going to turn people away from folly and back towards the advice of, in godly wisdom of the wise. And by doing this, this ministry that John was going to uh, work prior to the coming of Jesus and the revelation of Jesus, he was preparing the nation of Israel and the world, really, for the blessing that comes with the Messiah's arrival. Last week, we talked about identity. That identity is really a core issue in our hearts. When we discovered by looking at Mary and really the interchange or exchange between Gabriel and Mary when he reveals that she is to bear the, the Son of God, that before Mary was even ready to fulfill the purpose God had for her life, her heart had to be prepared so that she would root her identity in what God said about her and not what anyone else said about her. That her identity would flow from the Father, not what this world or really our enemy would try to define her. 
She wouldn't be defined by what she thought about herself or where she came from or even mistakes and skeletons in the past. No, her entire being would be defined by the word of God and her faith in his promises. And that is God's will for us too. That each of us who call on the name of Christ, we would not allow the world, the enemy, mistakes in the past define who we are, but we would be defined by who we are in Jesus Christ. We'd recognize that God has a big purpose and plan for each and every one of us. That, that purpose and plan he designed before the foundation of the world, and he wants to lead us into the blessing of that purpose. But before we can have the faith to press into his blessings, we have to be prepared. Our hearts have to be prepared. Our identities have to be in line with God's will and his word so that nothing can get in the way of what God wants to do in our lives, in the blessings he wants us to harvest. And that leads us to the very essence of what God wants for us to experience in this life as his children. He wants our lives and our hearts to be filled with peace, with peace. This week, we're going to talk about God's peace. Somebody say God's peace. God's peace. All right, we sing it in the songs, right? We, some of the songs we sang this morning even alluded to God's peace. And so this is a very important issue. It's something that is a blessing that God has for each of his children. I read a story this week that after a very long and boring sermon at a nearby church, the parishioners filled out of the church saying nothing to the preacher. Towards the end of the line was a very thoughtful person who normally has a kind comment or two at the end of the, each service. And they commented to the pastor. They said, Pastor, today your sermon reminded me of the peace and the love of God. And the pastor was kind of taken aback by this, kind of shocked. And he said, wow, no one normally says anything like that about my my sermons he's like so he inquired more he said you know tell me why why do you think that my sermon today reminded you of the peace and love of God and the kind parishioner said well it reminded me of the peace of God because it passed all understanding and it reminded me of God's love because it endured forever well my friends I'll do my best not to beyond beyond understanding today and not to take all of your day as we look at God's peace, but I believe God's peace is a reality that he wants each and every one of us to experience because when we're filled with God's peace, when we have the peace of God in our life, we will be unshakable. When we have God's peace in our life, we will be filled with joy in every circumstance. There will be nothing that we can endure that will rock our faith or cause us to lose our way because we're filled with the peace that passes all understanding. There will be a confident hope in not only who God is, but who we are in Jesus Christ, a hope that will keep us laser focused on the purpose and plan that God has for our lives. Peace is an important thing in the life of a believer. And there are really two words in the Bible, one in the Old and one in the New Testament, that talk about God's peace. In the Old Testament, there's a Hebrew word that is the word shalom. And the word shalom means completeness or soundness, tranquility, or completely to be completely content or at peace. God's desire is that in every situation that you would be completely at peace. 
and not just experience a false peace. You know that false peace that we get when we just try to ignore things or overlook things or push things so far down deep into our spirit that one day it just bubbles up and ends up destroying us later? No, but in every situation, we would be and feel completely whole. Wholeness. And this is why identity being rooted in Jesus is so vital. The New Testament word, irene, means a state of national tranquility, exemption from rage and havoc of war and peace between individuals. This is harmony. This is security, safety, prosperity. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life overflowing, life more abundantly. He desires us to prosper. Being in God's peace and having that spiritual harmony makes us not only feel, but be safe and prosperous. And God's desires for you to be in a state of complete tranquility. What we have to recognize is this was Adam and Eve's state before the fall. If you go back to the book of Genesis and open the Bible and begin to read the story, they were at complete peace. They had no knowledge of evil, no knowledge of pain and suffering. They had no knowledge of the hurts and mistakes and the pains that we wrestle with and have to endure in this life. They had no knowledge of it. But then Satan came along and he did what he does best. He lied. He lied. And he got those two perfect people full of the peace of God with an unshakable faith in a connected relationship that is beyond anything we could probably imagine to God. And he got them to trust in themselves rather than trusting in God. And they made a horrible decision. They exchanged a relationship with God for a piece of fruit. And all hell broke loose. Instantly they had shame. How do we know? It's because they knew they were naked. They became instantly self-aware and self-conscious of all their perceived inadequacies. They felt condemnation, which is why they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. They felt guilty and they felt fear. So they went to hide in a bush, afraid of God, hoping that God would not find them. To the very moment they chose to disobey God, the spirit of God left them and they, they began to die spiritually, just as God had said. And there erupted a war in their heart that Satan has been exploiting in each and every one of us from that very moment. He's called a thief by Jesus in John 10, 10, because that's what he does. He steals. Through his network of evil, he desires to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is tempting and attempting to rob you of the very peace that God desires for you to experience. This peace means there's no division in your heart, no fear, no anxiety, no confusion, no depression, no frustration, no pent-up emotions that eat away and destroy the health of the soul. No, God's desire is for you not to just feel peaceful, but for peace to be your everyday experience. Every day, every minute. To walk in his presence and be filled with his peace. And in the New Testament, at least 26 times, there is a phrase that says, may God grant you his peace or peace be with you. The Holy Spirit through the apostle writers, through the New Testament writers is just speaking this blessing over the people of God that God's peace would be with us. Peace is not only God's will for you, it's his desire for you that peace to be every part of your life. And peace is part of the very reason why Jesus came into the world. 
One of the very reasons why Jesus came. The first thing I want us to see about peace today is number one, that the Messiah's coming meant or means a ministry of peace. Jesus coming into the world meant a ministry of peace. If you're following along or taking notes, uh, we have that space available for you on the worship guide or else the notes are also on the YouVersion Bible app. You can navigate there if you are connected to the internet and the notes will be here. But the Messiah's ministry meant peace. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet prophesies in Isaiah chapter 9 the foretold birth of the Messiah. In Isaiah chapter 9, here's what the prophet writes, speaking of the coming of the Lord Jesus. He says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of, speak it out, church, Prince of Peace. This is who he is. Says his government and its peace will never end. And he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. This is not just his ministry, but God is so committed to your peace that he is putting his own name on the line for you to experience it. Satan threw this world into chaos when he stole the authority of the world from sinful men. Jesus came into the world to overthrow the devil, to overthrow his kingdom, destroy the works of the evil one that has enslaved us for thousands of years. That that chaos would be undone by making peace available to all. In Luke chapter 2, in the story of the birth of Christ, as the angel appears to proclaim the good news of the birth of Jesus, in Luke 2, 14, says, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. An old-fashioned translation says, Peace on earth and goodwill to men. Peace, the coming of Jesus, meant the bringing of peace. He came to bring us peace. The second thing I want us to see is that peace is a believer's birthright. You might not feel very peaceful. You might not feel like you've ever been able to feel or enjoy God's peace, but peace is your birthright. In Isaiah 53, 5, Isaiah is talking about what Christ would accomplish for us on the cross. The very things that God was going to accomplish through his sacrifice. In Isaiah 53, 5, this is what Isaiah writes. It says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. That's the word shalom. And with his stripes, we are healed. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Jesus took our punishment, he took every sinful act, every transgression against God upon himself to bring us peace. Jesus came not to live, but to die for the sins of the world. And the finished work of Jesus on the cross not only provided for the cleansing of sin and right relationship with God, healing to our bodies, but it also provided the possibility of the guarantee of peace. And the word chastisement here, it's kind of an interesting word. I didn't really, you know, growing up, didn't even really know what it meant. And I, I looked up that word, and that word chastisement, where he says the chastisement of our peace was upon him, it literally means a correction. And the correction of our peace. If you think about it, the world, since sin entered into the world, has been off course. 
The world has been in chaos. Man has been in hostility and at war with God, not in peace with God. And God through Christ made a course direction, turning the world away from chaos, from fear, from discouragement, from rage, from sins of every kind, and he redirected it into peace. This peace is guaranteed to everyone who places their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It was a course correction. And salvation is a gift. Salvation is a gift of God. But with salvation also comes many gifts. Salvation is really the gift that keeps on giving. Because you don't just get a right relationship with God. God gives gift after gift after gift. There are spiritual gifts. There are blessings. God is a good God and a loving Father who loves to bestow gifts upon his children. And one of the gifts that God has given us and guaranteed us through the cross is peace. Look at John 14, 27. This is what Jesus says. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. Man, with those bound in anxiety and fear, love some peace of mind and heart. It says, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, which means you cannot go to a doctor and get this peace. You have to go to the great physician. You cannot go to a self-help guru and get this peace. The only peace that can fill a void in your heart has to come from the Father. And Jesus is giving it as a gift. And he says, so don't be troubled or afraid. I'm giving you peace. One of the many benefits of trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior is this gift of peace. Peace that Jesus made possible by bearing our sins on the cross. And this is available to all who will receive it by faith. And I know many of you are just like myself. There are times I don't feel at peace. There are times I don't really feel like peace is my experience. And you have to question why. And so I have an illustration to kind of kind of show how this works. And so for this illustration, I need a volunteer. And yes, we are broadcasting. We will be live on YouTube, so don't let that intimidate you. Volunteer, raise your hand. Jake, I saw your hand first. Come on up. Come on, let's give Jake a hand. All right, we're going to get this microphone because you're going to have to participate here. So, are you feeling Christmassy today? Yes. Look at this. We're in the Christmas spirit. All right, so I'll give you this because you're going to have to answer some questions. Now, I just have some questions to answer. We'll see, we'll see you know, if you're flowing along with me, okay? So here's a question I have for you. If you were to leave here today and go to Applebee's, would you be able to walk into Applebee's and demand a free lunch and receive a free lunch? What do you think? Doubt it. You know, what might happen if you were to go in there and say, I want to speak to your manager, I demand a free lunch. What do you think might happen? Confusion? Yeah? Yeah? You think uh, well-received? Yeah? Anything else happen? You know, they might, you know, ask you to leave, you know. Yeah, why? Because you don't have a right to a free lunch, do you? No, there's, I mean, the food's available, right? But in order to receive the lunch, you have to pay for it, right? It's got to be paid for. Right? So you have, there's nothing in you that is making it, a, you know, giving you that right to demand a free lunch or have a free lunch. All right? And you'd all agree with that, right? You know, there's nothing that would cause that. Now, in my pocket, I have a $50 Applebee's gift card. 
that's been paid for. Now, this would guarantee a free lunch if I were to give it to you, right? Right. So, but before you can have this, I have to give it to you as a gift, right? And before I get, before you still get to enjoy, even if I give it to you as a gift, you have to do what in order to have it? You have to receive it, right? Well, you have to receive it. So I have to give it, and then you have to receive it. Do you, do you want the gift? Should have volunteered. You would love to have the gift? Okay, so I'm going to give you this gift. So now that you've received the gift, if you were to go to Applebee's and demand a free lunch, would you have the right to get a free lunch? Um, yeah, but I don't think I would demand it still. <laughs> right, but, but it's yours. The free lunch is yours yes. because you have a gift that guarantees you have a free lunch. Yes. Right? So, so you now can go into Applebee's free and clear, get a free lunch, don't have to worry about it. Now, what, what is the benefit to that card if you never go to Applebee's to get the lunch? Does it value anything? No. No, it just either might expire, might become trash, right? So it's not enough to have the gift. You have to use the gift, right? Right. You have to do something with the gift. Yes. All right, so I will see you at Applebee's right after service to <laughs> use that gift. Okay. All right, thank you so much. Appreciate you. All right, great. All right, so here's where that illustration comes in. Salvation is a gift. You cannot walk up to the gates of heaven and demand to get in. You have no right. You're a sinner. You have no right to a relationship with God. You have no right to peace. You have no right to any of the benefits that come with the, you know, the, the relationship with God. But somebody already paid the price for that gift. And they've offered it to you to receive. And when you said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, I trust in you as my Lord and Savior, you received that gift. It's yours. You have it. And there are many benefits that come with the gift. You see, Jake, before, couldn't get the lunch. Now he can get the lunch. Not only can he get the lunch, but he has the privilege of having access to everything on the menu. He can get an appetizer. He can get a main course. He can even get dessert if he wants. He can get any kind of flavored tea that they carry. He can access every menu item on the gift. And the same is true for you. You, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the gift. You have access to every blessing God has in store. And peace is one of those blessings. But the problem is, is most of us don't do anything with the gift. It stays in the pocket. And we continue to live our lives and do things the very same way because we're not choosing to do anything with the gift that Jesus has given us. We have the right to it, but we're not utilizing it. The third point I want to make about God's peace is this. Peace must be pursued. You have to do something with the gift. You have to pursue after it. Peace does not just happen naturally. If it did, then there wouldn't be any Christians in the world taking prescription medication for anxiety and depression. If peace just happened naturally, then there wouldn't be grief when we suffer loss. Peace doesn't just happen naturally. 
it must be pursued. Just like the Applebee's card, if you never redeem the card, if you never redeem the blessing, it benefits you nothing. Peace that comes with salvation cannot be enjoyed unless you go after it. Look at 1 Peter 3.11. Here's what Peter says. He says, turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. You got to get some things out of your life to make room for the peace God wants to dump into it. You've got to get some stuff out so God can have room to dump some peace in. And then when you get the peace, you have to work to maintain it because it can slip away. Jesus has provided another way to live. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And his way leads to shalom. It leads to irony. It leads to peace, the state that no matter what circumstances you're experiencing, no matter what struggles you may be facing, you will remain unshaken. You will remain strong and steadfast, unmovable, continuing to walk forward in faith, not shrinking back in fear. You'll be able to overcome all the discouragement, keep from falling into a depression, because all your hope, all your identity is rooted in the truth and the promises of God. And you have to pursue it. This is a faith journey that we're on. Isaiah 26, verse 3 is a kind of a life verse my wife and I have kind of adopted over this last year. Isaiah says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. The perfect peace comes for those who are consumed and constantly aligning their mind and their heart with who God is and what God's will is for their life. The truth of Scripture The problem in our day is our minds are so busy thinking about earthly things and things that that the enemy wants us to be focused on and consumed with and to feel guilty over. And our minds are constantly battling us. And God's saying, I have peace for you. If you just fix your mind on me, trust in me, follow me, and you'll receive that peace. Peace comes to those whose faith is grounded in the Lord, understanding that He is completely good, and he is completely powerful, and he is always faithful. He never fails. Paul in Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. He's saying you have to give God permission. You have to give God permission to give you this peace. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule, because we can choose to let other things rule. And we do, which is why we go without peace. It says, for members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Always be thankful. The peace has been paid for. You have been given the right, but experiencing God's peace is also your choice. He says, let the peace. We have to give him permission. What happens to us is that unlike Peter's instructions, we don't often turn away from evil like we should. In our humanity, the Bible says our hearts are are desperately wicked, that we can't even understand how wicked our hearts really are. All of us have sinned. All of us have chosen to turn away from God, that there's nothing, even any good redeeming value within us. Our righteousness is like filthy rags. In our humanity, we run from God. We don't pursue God. And what happens is that in this life, we end up choosing to trust ourselves rather than trusting the perfect will of God. And what we don't recognize is that evil has many faces and it has many levels. And often we don't recognize evil's face 
and the levels that we're facing because we've not been investing in our relationship with God. We've not been fixing our eyes on Jesus and our thoughts on Jesus and studying his word to know what his will is for our lives and how we can be at peace and be blessed and what we should invest in and what we should avoid. And so rather than being in line with God's will, we end up just trying to justify the evil we flirt with on a regular basis. We try to justify the evil we do because ultimately our evil is not as bad as someone else's evil, and so we just allow it to continue in our lives. We justify being unforgiving because the hurt someone caused in my life was far worse than just having an embittered soul, and even though that bitterness will creep out, will affect those around me, what they did to me was worse, and so since my evil isn't as bad as theirs, mine gets to continue, and I get to continue to condemn them. We justify it. And this war is unleashed in our heart, and we wonder why we're not at peace. The Word of God says to overlook each other's faults. The Word of God says to be gracious. The Word of God says to be merciful, to forgive each other the way God through Christ has forgiven us. But if you are not quick to forgive, you will be easy to frustrate. And frustration isn't peace. A frustrated person is not a person who is filled with peace. If you're quick to run to sin, but not quick to repent of sin, you will not be filled with peace. There'll be a heavy load weighing you down. You see, peace and the peace of God doesn't mean you'll be unaffected. doesn't mean you won't have struggles or trials, but it will mean you'll be unfazed and you'll be able to release the power of God to change your situation, to prop you up and give you strength. Jesus said, Jesus said my power shows its mightiest work in our weakness. The weakness is not the factor. The strength of God that comes through the peace of God is the factor that changes our situation. Peace has been provided by Jesus. It's been guaranteed on the cross, and it doesn't just happen. It must be worked for, guarded, pursued. We must search for it, hold fast to it, and live a life in and through the Holy Spirit to hold on to it. Romans 8, 6, Paul says, let your, don't let your sinful nature control your mind. That leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Being led of the Spirit of God, allowing God to be the Lord of your life, trusting in Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, agreeing with His Word, not leading on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledging Him, He will direct your path, and that path will be the peace. Just before... We get to Christ in the birth or in the story of his birth. After John the Baptist is born, Zechariah is given the ability to speak again after the angel had caused him to be mute for his lack of faith. And John begins to declare God's works and to prophesy. In Luke chapter 1, verses 78 and 79, as he declares what the meaning of the Messiah, what the ministry of the Messiah and his work will do in the earth, here's what Zechariah prophesies. It says, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness, who sit in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. Jesus is coming to shed light in the darkness. You feel like you're sitting in darkness. The darkness is all around You've trusted in Christ, but it just seems like you can't get your eyes off your problems. You can't get out of the pit. Jesus has come to shine the light and to lead you to the path of peace. Someone say path of peace. 
There's a path of peace that each one of us can take. There's a way that leads to peace, and it first begins with trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you have never done that today, you will never find the peace that God desires for you to experience until you give your life to Jesus. It begins with trusting the Lord, and then secondly, it comes as you learn to follow Him, to allow the Spirit to guide your life on the path of peace, to allow the Spirit to guide you in what you believe, what you think, what you listen to, what you say, and what you do. And the more your life comes into alignment with the perfect will of God, peace will begin to fill your life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And this peace is part of that promise. If you're here today and you want to be a good mom or a good dad or a good husband or a good wife, a good son or a good daughter, a good co-worker, a good teammate, in the midst of difficult seasons, rather than being defeated so you can rise up in victory and encourage other people in the midst of your hardships and circumstances, you need God's Romans 15, verse 13, Paul says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. God's desire is for you to experience his peace. To feel it, to know it, to live in it, and to enjoy it. And I pray, too, that God will so fill you and completely with joy that you'll experience God's peace as you trust in him. The question is today is, who are you going to trust with your life? The Father or the enemy? Who are you going to let speak into your heart, into your mind? Who are you going to let guide your identity, who you believe you are at the core of your being, to influence your beliefs and your perceptions, the spirit of God or the spirit of this world? Maybe you're here today and you're going through a difficult season. Maybe you've made some bad life choices or are beginning to live the consequences of those decisions. Maybe somebody hurt you and you just can't shake the pain and this pain is dominating your life. Maybe you're just at the end of your rope because the struggle has been so fierce. No matter how hard you've tried, you've just not been able to experience a breakthrough. And maybe you're here today and you're just heavy burdened encourage you today that Jesus wants to lift your heart. Jesus wants to give you a breakthrough. He loves you more than you can imagine. Think about what he did. The creator became a creation. Walked among us and no one knew who he was. He was overlooked. He was discarded. He was rejected. He was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He took our punishment on the cross. He went through the horrors of the cross just so that he could love you. And you would love him in return. He loves you more than you can imagine. And his desire is that you would give him your whole heart. You wouldn't hold anything back. But there wouldn't be a part of you that would be on reserve for selfish desires or for what the enemy wants to do in your life. That your whole being would belong to Jesus. For he can fill you with his peace. God's peace is received 
by faith just like salvation. You can't earn it. You don't receive it because you're good enough. You don't lack it because you're too bad. You will receive it because it is a gift. And when you trust in the Lord, you will be filled with it as your life begins to agree with God. And some of you here today, you haven't trusted him with your whole heart. There are areas of your life that are still on reserve. You've held it back. And because of that, God can't fill you with his feet. Some of you here today have some sin you need to confess. There's some sin in your life that you've been hiding, you've been holding back from God. Because of that, God can't fill you with his feet. Some of you have some pain you need to forget. You've been holding on to that hurt, and because of that, God can't fill you with his peace. Some of you are holding on to control. You don't like not knowing things. You don't like the unknown, and so you do everything you can to control your life, and God wants control, and until you give it to him, he can't fill you with his peace. Some of you have some fear you need to face. That fear has been holding you back from being obedient, and because of that, God can't give you his peace. As we begin to close, I'd just like us to bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. As we recognize that God's peace is a gift and it's a right for each and every one of us that love him, know him, and trust him. And the reason why we've not experienced his peace isn't because we're not good enough or we haven't done enough. It's simply because we are withholding a part of ourselves from being filled with his peace. Whatever God is speaking to your heart in this moment, it's time to allow him to have access to that place in your heart. You are the door that will either open or close itself to God's peace. We determine how open or how closed that doorway is. And I want to close with this scripture. As we meditate on God's word, and as I read this scripture, I just want you to focus on the words that are written. And just soaking God's peace in this moment. As we declare this over every situation. Psalm 46, verse 10 says that, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation and I will be honored throughout the world. Listen to these words again as we declare this over your situation. Oh, my child, in this place today, be still and know that I am God. I am God over your family. I am God over your finances. I am God over your marriage. And I am God over your health. I am God over your troubles. I am God over your fears. I am God over your poverty. And I am God over your shame. I am God over your sickness. I am God over your occupation. I am God over your provision. I am God over your future. And I am God over your past. I am God over your relationships. 
I am God of your addictions and your secret sins. My child, I am God of your depression. I am God over your anxieties. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. As we just sit and meditate on this passage of Scripture, I just want you to enter just in in the quietness of this moment a personal time of prayer with the Lord. As the Holy Spirit is bringing to your mind and your thoughts, pain, the hurt, the areas of your life that you've been withholding from God. And right here where you are, I just want you to declare that truth. The Bible says the life and death are in the power of the tongue. When you declare this, you've got to declare it out loud and you've got to believe it in faith that this is a truth for God for, to unleash his power in your life. I want you to declare right there between you and God, God, you are God over my situation. And you fill in whatever that situation is. Whatever your struggle is, whatever your circumstance, God, you are God over my situation. And then I want you to say, I receive your peace. You are God over my situation. And I receive your peace. Lord, we receive peace over every struggle, over every place the enemy has stolen in our lives. We receive your peace over our reputations and insecurity. Today we receive your peace. As we spend some time just in contemplation and prayer this morning, just keep declaring that truth right aloud where you are. Let hope rise and faith rise in this place. God, you are God over my addiction, and I receive you. You're God over my relationship, and I receive you. And allow the Spirit of God to have access to the deep and hidden places in your heart. Just surrender that to the Lord. I just want to end our prayer time now with this blessing over us comes out of number 6 25 to 27 I just speak this Lord over your people this morning it says may the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace as we agree together in the name of Jesus all God's people say amen